All right, Katie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Awesome. Thank you for having me, buddy. All right. So we, you and I worked together for a minute back in uh, in Fort Worth. You don't live in Fort Worth anymore. No. Right? Where are you living right now? No, I'm, I'm, I moved myself up to up, 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 up north a little bit to North Carolina, but okay. we've been here for a little over two years now. Okay. Man, geez, that's crazy. Yeah. So tell me, before we get into the topics that I initially wanted you to talk about, tell me a yeah. little bit about your history, your past. You got a strong medical background. Tell me a little about that. Um, okay. So I have been a nurse for going on 18 years. Um, all of my experience, I, I've really honestly worked in pretty much every place in a hospital you could want to work in. I've worked the floor. I've worked step down. I've worked ICU. Um, the last nine years, I've been full-time in the ER. I started in the ER um, at JPS where we met each other mm-hmm. um, a long time ago. <laughs> I worked there for a short period of time after graduating and just felt like I needed a little bit more um, experience before I was walking into the big, scary John Peter Smith. Um, so I went, got a little bit of more extra experience and then I came back. Um, <clears throat> and that's when I kind of floated around and did all the different hospitals. So I've kind of seen, seen, seen all of the ports of a hospital that somebody can see. Um, but like I said, um, I have focused my last nine years solid in the ER um, when I was at John Peter Smith, I was the HIV outreach and educator there that helped run and manage the Ryan White grant that helped mm-hmm. reach out to all of the HIV patients and get them in treatment and um, helped all of that there in Fort Worth. Um, I have not done anything like that here yet. <clears throat> but um, so, you know, in the midst of all of that, I've worked for an infectious disease doctor. So that's kind of been one of my passions has been the infectious disease aspect of nursing and medicine. Um, me and you have had lots of conversations about how really brilliantly awesome virology is. And, you know, it's always my joke. I, I wish, you know, that was my dream job would have been, you know, CDC or who, um, and being able to do something like that. And, um, being able to really study and see what these things do that that's always been kind of a passion for me. Um, just seeing how such small, (laughs) such small things in, in, in general can cause such an uprising and such an issue has always kind of intrigued me and how smart, how smart viruses are, how smart, you know, um, infectious disease is. Um, and I've been blessed to be able to have a lot of experience in that with my career. That's awesome. Um, Currently I work in North Carolina in an ER, a small, a smaller rural hospital, um, out here. Um, and that's what I've been doing for about the last two years. Real quick, put that mic down by your side. I think because you you already project very well. So oh yes, no, I've <laughs> never had a problem being too loud, sir. <laughs> so you're actually good, just uh, just the way it is. So what'd you do before nursing? Oh my goodness, I bartended. Yeah. So I, I don't, you know, that that's pretty much, you know, uh, I bartended and waited tables. I was a single mom um, of a little girl, and got got pregnant pretty quickly out of high school, and knew I needed to have a job that was going to take care of us and take care of my daughter. Um, my, my, my dream was always med school. And when my daughter came into this world, I realized maybe I didn't have enough time to go to med school. And so nursing kind of became it. And so I bartended and waited tables, um, through nursing school. I got a job at JPS in the ER, my senior year as a nurse grad, um, intern and extern. And so I did that for the last like two years, but significantly outside of nursing, um, 
I know how to bartend and wait tables and that's about it. Being a mom and a nurse is pretty much my core at this point. You know, one of my favorite things about ta- having conversations with you back then was um, how well you were able to analyze a problem and then critically think your way past it. Uh, we get a lot of residents, a lot of students in there and mm-hmm. even even some attendings who just they you proved them wrong <laughs> multiple times. And it's, it may, always made me laugh, always made me laugh. Right. Um, so, well, you know, you, you'd be, I was always surprised about if you just asked somebody to explain themselves that they would work it through themselves, you know, or, or they couldn't. Yeah. No, or and then you, you, and then, and then you led them to the right choice, right? <laughs> <laughs> we'll go with that. Um, tell yeah. me a little bit about your cancer, <laughs> if you don't mind. Well, um, so I have, I was diagnosed, um, well, Madison was too. So, um, 17 years cause she's almost 20 now. Can you believe that? Oh my gosh. Um, and so I was diagnosed with metastatic thyroid cancer. I had a bump in the back of my neck that came up in nursing school. And I went to my doctor and I said, Hey, I have this bump in the back of my neck. And he said, Nope, you're fine. You're a healthy 19, 20 year old girl. Don't worry about it. No history of cancer in my family. Um, significant at least. Um, and so we moved on from it. And I remember, I will never forget. I was in <sighs> Mrs. White's you know, clinical class. And we were talking about doing assessments and neck assessments was one of those things. Um, and they were talking about lumps, bumps and things that shouldn't be there. And I remember at the end of the class, I went up to her and I said, heck, I've had this for a couple of years now. It came up when I was pregnant with Madison, actually. Um, and I said, my doctor doesn't seem concerned, but you know, it was just kind of concerning to me, especially after everything we're learning. She pretty much said, you need to go and advocate for yourself, push, 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 just have it biopsied, have it. Um, and it was kind of in the back of my neck, kind of up against my sternomastoid. And, um, I pushed and pushed and got a biopsy and ended up coming back positive for thyroid cancer. Um, when I went in, I ended up having a total thyroidectomy, but it was so invasive in my thyroid that they did a right radical neck dissection. Um, and that all came back positive for lymph nodes involvement too. And then I had a left radical neck dissection and that came back positive as well within lymph nodes. So I went and underwent, um, quite a few treatments, three initially of the RAI-125 for the radiation treatment. Um, they said, okay, we're good. Everything was fine. I stayed with my follow-up, did everything. Um, got pregnant with my second daughter, Miss Emma. Um, <clears throat> she's not almost nine, so eight. And at about eight months pregnant with her, my levels started getting funny. My markers started elevating. And so I went back to the doctor and I had a reoccurrence on the right side of my neck. Um, pretty much got bounced around by a bunch of surgeons and a bunch of doctors who didn't want to touch me because I was already a medical anomaly, you know? Why were you a medical anomaly? How many people went, well, because, you know, that was the whole thing, right? They always said, oh, thyroid cancer, that's the easy one. That's the, it's not tough. They take out the thyroid, you're good. You do the treatment, you're good. You know, you don't worry about it. It's the very, very low percentage of it becoming metastatic or it being aggressive, very, very low occurrence of reoccurrence with thyroid cancer. Um, and so I was already kind of out of the realm when I had the metastatic disease. Um, and then I broke another realm when I had reoccurrence. Um, mm-hmm. And so I had reoccurrence with Emma, um, repeated my right radical neck dissection at MD Anderson in Houston, because that was one of the only facilities that was willing to take me on as a patient. So we drove six hours to Houston. Mm. Um, we had that surgery. Um, and I still have remnants of carcinoma in my neck now, but now we're at a point where we're kind of where there's not a whole lot of options. Um, surgery is not really an option because of the location of the nodes that are positive and aren't a lot of chemos and things like that, that have been approved. 
Um, and we still don't really know why, you know, I know me and you, I kind of talked about it. I was born on the Western slope of Colorado. There's a lot of mining, a lot of uranium mm. mining and a lot of things like that. So there's been question as to whether or not there was exposure to me. Cause I was the only one out of all my siblings that were born there. Um, we had a house with the basement, all of those things. Um, but there's really still no way to necessarily prove that. Right. I mean, I, I carry a genetic mutation. I do have a positive graph mutation. So there's kind of that question as to whether or not it was some kind of exposure when I was younger. Um, but I don't know that that will ever be necessarily answered. Mm. So I, I'm good on both sides. I know the healthcare. I know what it is to be a patient as well. So, mm. wow. So you're still, you've been fighting this for a long, long time. Oh yeah. I've been fighting for a while. We just, um, actually currently not a whole lot of people know this but as of currently my cancer markers are actually trending back up and so we're watching those now mm. um and so that was one of the things too obviously with the topics that we are going into you know is like i'm already kind of waiting um because if those markers start to jump then i'm going to already be in like an investigational chemo type situation potentially anyways <laughs> mm. so that's kind Jeez. of where we're at right now it's just kind of you know, you know what we do in healthcare, watch and monitor, you know? And well, so that's where we're kind of at at this point right now. Your mindset behind this is just so abnormal. Like I, so many people get this cancer, man. And they're like, uh, it, it debilitates them and they, uh, are, are just hating life. Right. They use it as the main excuse to stop everything, but you've done the exact opposite. Why? <sighs> I mean, my children, I mean, my children and my family would probably be probably the immediate answer. You know, I think I'm kind of known for the joke of like, you know, you can cry about it, but then what, what do you do after you cry about it? You know, life yeah. continues, decisions continue. Um, you know, I could, I, I'm, I'm the first to say I've cried about it, you know, and it's yeah. affected me, obviously. Um, always, always, I feel like the heavier for me has been my children and my family. Right. So even with this last time, you know, that the part I feared the most when those levels started coming back was not what was next for me, but was for having those conversations with my children, mm. having those conversations with my mother, um, those people who have been through it with me and knowing how hard it was for them um, to go through it. And, you know, I think the thing is, as a nurse, as I have a really good perspective and the perspective is, is that being a patient sometimes isn't the hardest part role to play. The mm. patient's role is not always the hardest. Um, I, I can just go and do what my doctors tell me to do and yeah. go along and trust and have faith that they're making the right choices for me. Um, but my family is kind of at an end, right? My, my family just has to sit back and kind of trust me. And that, that's a scary, my, my mentality is always some, something's going to take me out. I'll fight whatever it is until the day I can't anymore. And that's really, I think, what we're all really supposed to do, right? I mean, we're just supposed to just pers persevere through what we're faced against. And if that's cancer, if that's, you know, whatever the, this world is throwing at us right now and everything mm. that's going on, you know, I mean, the reality of it is tomorrow is a new day with new choices and new decisions to make. And, not, not, you know, I have to just make sure that my decisions today make it good for me in the long run. So, you know, I mean... I think, you, you know, everyone has hardships. Yeah. Cancer is the scary one. Everyone's afraid of that word. You know, the, the, the big, the big C word. Well, it used to be the big C word. I guess there's a new C word now, but <laughs> Jeez. you know, I think people get afraid of that. And, you know, I think it's a normal response and I'm not saying I'm not afraid of it, yeah. but I 
have to have faith that I have a medical system around me and family and friends that love me and support me. And, you know, I keep going until I can't go. That's so not normal and so inspiring. So well, thank you. That's, uh, that's also one of those things that like, as I got to know you more at work, um, w was just encouraging because like I can get all pissed off about my problems, but I don't have cancer and I'm not, and I'm, I'm depressed about it. Like right? if, I, if I had cancer, I'd probably do the exact opposite of what you were doing right now. And so it just, it's one of those but it's well, my point is like, it's one of those stories. Like we need, yeah. uh, these type of stories to, to encourage people that they can do it right. bottom line. I mean, we're all in a storm. It's just depending on what, what boat we're in, you I know, saw that. I saw and that some thing of, you posted. yeah, some of us, some of us aren't even in a boat. So, you know, I mean, we, me and you have both hand in hand stood in rooms in much worse situations with mm -hmm. people receiving much worse news. Yep. Um, and I, I, I don't take away from what, what this world gives us. And so I'm going to just be grateful and thank my heavenly father every day that I see another day on the right side of the ground, you know? Mm. All right. Well, that's a pretty good intro into our next topic, which is COVID. So uh -oh. before we get into the vaccine and your thoughts yeah. and, um, what's going on in the healthcare world right now with mm -hmm. that. Tell me your story on how you, on what it's been like being in the ER fighting COVID. Um, is everything exactly what they're saying in the media? So I will be the first to tell you that COVID is very real. Yeah, obviously. COVID is very real. It is very much uh, something out there that is, that is hurting people and that is killing people and that's taking their life. You know, I've been a nurse for a really long time. And I've seen a lot of things, you know, we had the, the privilege of working in a county hospital. So we saw a lot more than most, um, including a lot of really viruses that we wouldn't have seen, um, you know, infections and bacterial things that I will never see. And I will tell you that in 17 years of nursing, I can stand at a bedside and I, you know, I, I think there's probably enough people out there that will testify to this. I can stand at a bedside of a patient and go, okay. This is what's going on. What do we need to do next? What do we need to do next to make this better? What do we need to do next to fix this solution, to fix this patient, to fix the predicament, whatever it is, right? And that's what we, why we do what we do. Um, and COVID has been one of the first things ever that I have stood at patients' bedside and said, I don't know what else to do. I don't, I don't know what else to do. We, we've, we've, you know, we've innovated them. We've paralyzed them. We've sedated them. And they're still breeding 28. I get it. So last thing I heard was uh, breathing 28 times a minute. Right. So, you know, I mean, the thing is, is I think this is the one that's been the first times. And, and for me, at least in healthcare, where you find yourself at an, at an odd at, with it because we just don't know. Right. I don't I don't know what to do with these patients. I do everything I know to do um, and it doesn't always work and it just doesn't seem to help. Um it is very real. I, I am lucky enough that I am in a more rural area. And so I, I don't, I don't have the stories that some of those ER nurses do. I've heard them. Um, you know, I, I've, I've, I've heard the plagues of the areas that were really, really bad. Um, I think that I, I'm kind of lucky because I live in a rural area. So, so I joked and I said, social distancing is kind of what we live anyways out here. Right. Like there's not, yeah. I mean, there's one bar in the whole County I live in. There's one, one, one movie theater in the whole County I live in. Jeez. So it just, our lifestyle out here, right. is just more of a kind of a social distancing, you know, we don't. So I think we were lucky that we, you know, I think our total County had like just over 300 deaths. Oh. Um, so obviously when you're comparing that to Tarrant County in the thousands, you know, 
Yeah. Um, it, it's hard because I, I think I did see that, but I've also talked to some of the strongest nurses I've ever worked with in my entire life. Um, some nurses that I would say at some point I aspired to be like, um, and I have jokingly said, like, they're going to end up needing counseling, like the things that these nurses and these medics and the healthcare providers have seen out there have been pretty horrific. Um, and it's hard, right? Because we live in a profession and we have a profession that we really kind of have answers, right? We have protocols, we have pathways, we always are able to kind of fix something. And then unfortunately, there's those inevitable of like, there's nothing more we can do. We've mm. seen that as well, obviously. Um, and it's hard. It's hard to do when you're staying at someone's bedside and it's just, you just don't know what else to do. What is the, uh, the health makeup and age of these people that you've been seeing? It, I mean, it's pretty sporadic. If there's a pretty good, I'm I, out here. I mean, I'm obviously seeing kind of the 50 plus being the ones that are kind of affected the most and have the worst outcomes. Um, I haven't, thank God, haven't had a whole lot of experience with the younger kit, the younger people at this point. Um, I've seen a lot of my comrades <laughs> and my coworkers get sick um, with a few of them having quite a bit of, you know, long lasting symptoms and issues. Um, but no, no direct deaths within my, you know, my coworkers, which I'm very grateful for. Yeah, I got um, it. And it was, it was nasty, man. I had a bad, oh, I wasn't expecting yeah. it. That's yeah. Kind of I mean, it's a, it's a gnarly little dude, man. Yeah. You know, I mean, I know, um, I know a girl who's still, I mean, she's a year post. She was one of the first in our facility that got it. Um, and she's still no taste, no smells, you know, yep. never Same. has had lung problems yep. and on it, on an inhaler now, you know? Yep. And it's, I mean, it's, it's a gnarly a, little virus. I'm not on an inhaler, but I still have, like, I got some, some weird, uh, neurological symptoms. Like, I, I've never had anxiety until after COVID and didn't have a depression yeah. until after COVID. Oh, well, they've already, well, there's a, what, COVID psychosis? Yeah. Yeah. Long COVID, you COVID know. psychosis. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Weird, so it's like, I, I know we, we're like, especially initially, especially initially, COVID was pretty bad. Um, yeah. It definitely was affecting a lot of different people. We had, mm -hmm. the, even though we had a, a uh, high recovery rate for the majority of the population, mm -hmm. it did kill a lot of people. Um, did. Bottom line continues to continues to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but I do, it seems like it has dispersed in the, within the population. Um, mm -hmm. I have heard a lot of people saying that we do have herd immunity and the vaccines do work. Don't get me wrong. Vaccines mm -hmm. do work. And, um, but what, what people aren't getting is there's a lot of risks behind it and there, we're not understanding, like we're not being told all the risks behind the vaccine, or at least that's what I hear. Right. Um, no, I mean, I don't, I don't believe there's a transparency that should be in medicine, you know, I've always been very key on our patients being as educated as they can, you know, and there's definitely a lack of transparency with some of this, um, whether or not it's related to COVID or the vaccine itself, that definitely there's a need for more transparency for our population and for our patients and for us. Okay. So that's, that's a good intro into where we're at today. You know, we mm -hmm. went from COVID being, it's a real virus. Um, it mm -hmm. definitely affects a lot of people. Uh, mm -hmm. We have high recovery rates for the majority of the population. Uh, it has dispersed in the population for over a year and a half now. So people do have natural immunity and that's another thing that we're not talking about. So right. why, why for you as a nurse who is very pro vaccine, who is very, my children yeah. are all vaccinated. I am vaccinated. Yeah. Yes. Same. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's pro vaccine is good. We do know yes. that vaccines work. 
Um, yes. But there's something different about this vaccine for you. Let's talk about that. Well, we want to talk about the vaccine. I'll remember, I remember when the vaccine started and um, I had so many people, right? Um, fellow, fe fellow nurses, healthcare providers, my family, my friends reaching out to me, right? And so, you know, here's the whole thing. And me and you have talked about this, right? We've talked for years now about genetic mapping and the genotypes and all of the really cool things that only really nerdy people, science nerds get out <laughs> on it like me and you. Um, and, you know, the reality of it is, is that an mRNA vaccine, which is what the COVID vaccine is, is absolutely scientifically a breakthrough. If this is, this, if this is truly a, a mastered field, I mean, this is amazing and it truly should be celebrated. And I mean, this is the answer to so many different viruses. Okay, that so, are so why is it amazing? I don't, I, don't, I don't want you to push too far because why is it amazing? Why is this a big deal? So to be able to go into the actual genetic and genotypes of these viruses and vaccines and be able to give a human body the ability to be able to mutate with those vaccines and those virus with the vaccine in them to be able to fight these viruses is something we've never been able to do. So we've always been able to take the dead protein of a virus and that's what normal vaccines are, right? That's the normal vaccines that we get is the dead virus, the protein from those dead viruses and then they inject those into your body and your body learns the antibodies. And that's where you have the rarities where people would get the flu from the flu vaccine um, and those things because it was, you know, the protein of a dead virus. So with an mRNA, they've actually gone in and been able to then remove the genome, the, the, the genetic material from these viruses. So they're not even injecting you with an actual virus, dead or alive, and they're able to just in introduce this gen this supposedly safe genetic material into your body and your body is able to then without receiving the virus learn and replicate an antibody um, and the thought process with this would be that it's able to actually even pick up on the mutations of what the virus would be capable of doing um you know now we're coming out with like a third booster now and things like that so i i don't know how perfected it is but to be able to do this would be able to get a flu shot that actually covers you on all of the flu. And, <laughs> um, you know, there's another virus that I, I'm a big promoter of and everyone, not a promoter of, but an educator <laughs> about um, that has killed hundreds of thousands of people indiscriminately, children, adults, all races um, that we still don't have anything for that has actually a moderately simple genetic coding to it, right? I mean, we know a whole lot about HIV. I can tell you the genotypes, the most common ones, and right? So we know a lot about it. So you would think, I mean, th this could be the answer to so many things. Um, but, you know, my concern is just, like I said, the transparency is, you know, how, how, why haven't we heard of these other things? If this is truly a scientific breakthrough that we've mastered and that we've now gotten, why aren't we hearing about other things hmm. that it can treat and other things it's just so hyper-focused um that really COVID is is really the least of what we can fix if this is a true science that has come through with for us now um you know I mean there are a lot of viruses in this world and yeah. there are a lot of viruses that kill people yeah um so 
so we know that the set the basic concept of it is sound it's actually amazing right. amazing idea um, absolutely even the the one of the creators of this mrna vaccine was like hey like this is good you know i've, I've dedicated my life to this pretty much mm -hmm. uh but he goes he's concerned on why there isn't transparency in any of this so if we know right. that this that model is good why mm -hmm. are we concerned why are you concerned and why are you doing what you're doing now which is is really fighting against these mandatory vaccines so i will clarify that my 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 opposition behind this really isn't about the vaccine okay right i mean re really my 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 opposition is about it being a mandatory situation yeah. i i've spent a year and a half of my life exposing my family and my children i've lived my life in a hole right i mean i've slept in dining rooms i've canceled birthday parties and vacations right i've done all of this and after a year and a half they want to give me 90 days to think about it mm. so to me that doesn't make sense right to me if it was truly in the public interest then why why was this not mandated in january why was this not mandated when we first saw this why are we waiting now when there is a potential we've already hit herd immunity right i mean you're hearing that there's a very high potential that i just over chronic exposure have already developed antibodies to this well that's um, another thing like the natural immunity thing that nobody's wanting to talk about it's either we're grouped into right. vaccinated or unvaccinated people when in reality we have like natural like i have natural immunity and i had i had a right. severe response and right. antibodies though are good as a test it only lasts in your system for about 90 days and then it reverts back to roughly uh I forgot what it is. It's it's the T cell and B cell memory cells. Mm -hmm. The CD8 T cells, yeah. Yeah, both B mm -hmm. and T cells. So mm -hmm. those ones are storing the code for when a new response needs to occur. So just right. because you have antibodies in your system or not in your system does not necessarily mean you're uh, immune or non-immune. Like antibody is right. not a good litmus test for understanding if you have immune response. It's really after 90 days, antibodies automatically decrease. And right. the longer you are not in front of the virus or being exposed to the virus, those antibodies will decrease. Right. So that's what I'm kind of kind of like, why are we, this is one of those topics like, Hey, I'm pro vaccine, but there are concerns mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. this vaccine while at the same time, why are we not talking about natural immunity? Right. I mean, and I think that's one of all of our things, right? So I, I, I've been a big promoter of like, well, why aren't we doing antibody tests? Why aren't we, um, you know, you can't find my, my, my mother had COVID she had an antibody test. She was positive for antibodies. My mother, by the way, my mother got the vaccination, right? You know, I mean, and it was because she had the antibodies, so she knew it was stored, but we didn't know how long, but we don't really hundred percent know how long the vaccines antibodies are even stored, right? When we're already talking about a booster. So, mm. you know, we're a year and a half into this really only a, you know, eight months into a vaccine and we're already speaking of boosters. Um, and so at what point do we not allow our body to do its thing um, to naturally, to, to naturally do this? I mean, and we've accepted it for so many other viruses, right? We've accepted it. We've accepted it for the influenza virus and we've accepted it for so many of these other viruses that, you know, there's such a natural, um, antibody that needs to be developed and you just that naturally need to, you know, sweat it out, whatever you, whatever the situation may be, the words you want to use, but for some reason, that doesn't seem to be an acceptable response. And I'm not sure why. And I think yeah. that's probably where a lot of my issues lie, right? 
So when we went, we had a rally this last Sunday. Yeah. And the pictures, everyone crazy. Oh, man. There were some intense people. Trust me. I mean, there were. How many people were there? um, I think we caught right under over 1,500. Wow. Um, And they went to the state capitol today. So I, I did not, I did not attend today. Um, in Raleigh, but they went to the state capitol today. They had a few hundred. I don't think it was much of a turnout as we had in Charlotte. But, you know, I remember some of the speakers. There were some amazing speakers, don't get me wrong. But, um, you know, some of the speakers, it was just that whole, the political drive, you know, that big political, oh, you know, this is, you know. And it was so funny because I remember I came home and I was talking to my husband, you know, and I said, I just, I, I just kept going like, it's not about the politics. This isn't about politics, mm-hmm. when truly I guess it is, right? But that's my issue. My issue is that at no point should politics be mandating healthcare. Mm. At no, you know that that's a scary thing. We okay. we that is a scary, scary thing. Yeah, that's so a per, you know, abs- you're absolutely right. But here's the thing: the politics are referencing their science, right? The science we just want to. You hear this all the time. We just want to follow the science. And scientists say, right. do this. So that's kind of the counter argument for politics being involved because politicians are uh, trying to run the science. But what's weird is that nobody is talking about the other side of this argument, which has a robust response, a, a right. lot of uh, research to back, you know, one freedom, right? I mean, like just, right. just freedom in general. Just the freedom of choice. Yes. <laughs> and then uh, the natural immunity. It's like the, right. everybody thinks that um, to go against the vaccine means you're an anti-vaxxer that you don't believe the vaccine works no the vaccine does work there are Mm -hmm. some grave concerns i will give Mm -hmm. them that but it does it does work um but there's just no uh narrative to counter balance what's really being taught so right i don't get it man you know and i mean and and i think that that's that's important to know i mean i think my, 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 like I said, my biggest thing is, you know, it's, it, for me, it's the freedom, right? It's, I've been doing this in my profession now for quite some time. Um, and for the last year and a half, over a year and a half, I've been taking care of COVID patients. And so it's hard for me. I think anyone who's met me knows I have a great passion for my per- career. I have a great passion for what we do in our profession. Yeah. I absolutely love what I do still to this day. Um, and so for me, it's, you know, how, how am I being told I can't continue to do what I've done? Um, believe it or not, no one in my house has COVID has ever had COVID. Hmm. None of them, my children, my husband, um, I have not. Do you think that it could be because you're one of the the people who might have asymptomatic response to it? Like my wife, like my wife is that same way. Potentially. Potentially, right? What I blood mean, type are you're you? You're also talking to you're also talking to somebody who we've already established is immunocompromised as yep, well. You're right. You're right. You're right. So if somebody was to have a poor reaction to it, it would be me, right? But I've allowed my body to have natural reactions to a lot of things, and that was one of one of my arguments was, ex, ex, like I said, is accepting accepting an antibody test. I'll, I'll submit to an antibody test every thirty days if you want me to, hmm. right? But have I developed enough? of something that I don't need this. I don't know, you know, but, you know, I think the scary part is, you know, for me, I I had actually been contemplating it. Um, So I just got released three weeks ago by my oncologist to actually get it. So I didn't have an option before everyone else did. Right. So they wanted my, my markers to stay at a certain level before. Right. So that 
obviously if I wasn't have to do anything investigational, I wasn't also battling potentially the side effects yeah. of the COVID vaccine. Um, and so I just got released like three weeks ago and got permission to even wow. get the vaccine. And I had been studying, right. I had been studying, I'd been looking and talking and I'd been talking to my family and my friends and saying, you know, well, you know, this may just be an inevitable thing. Um, I would like more time. I would like more research. I would like more transparency. I would like to see more long terms of it. I'd like to see the actual model of what they're doing um, because they really haven't released anything like that. But I had been contemplating it. And let me just say whether or not, you know, you want to chalk it up to just being an adult and, you know, oppositional defiant disorder, I don't know. But for <laughs> somebody to come to me and say, you have to do this now. I mean, mm. that just hit me hard because that that's my personal choice, right? That was my joke. As I told every, I remember my mother-in-law was like, well, if somebody asks me if I've had the COVID vaccine, I'm going to tell them HIPAA, blah, 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 blah. right. <laughs> and I said, oh, just turn around and ask them, are you circumcised? <laughs> right? Because that's the equivalent, right? <laughs> to ask somebody what their vaccination status is, is the equivalence of asking them something, have you, what's your HIV status, Right. Mm. Those are both infectious diseases, you know, um, you, it's you, definitely don't, you, don't have to, you don't have to divulge your HIV status to work for charter. Huh. So there's a lot of double standards, what you're saying. My, my thing is, there's just a lot of contradictions, right? Yeah. I mean, even with the CDC, things are changing daily. Yep. Um, Which, so, yeah. so the, the counter argument to that idea, because everybody's bringing up the, how the CDC and the government's just giving conflicting information and oh, they, yeah. their response is always that this is part of a science. This is a part of the scientific process. It um, is. Do you agree with them changing on the regular basis? So, you know, I mean, I think that's the thing. Viruses change. Yeah. That's what they do. By definition, they are rapidly changing um, and mutating to be able to continue to infect their host um, and their population that they're going after, right? That That is, by definition, what a virus is. Um, and so I think to, to accept the guidelines not change is to accept that this isn't a virus, which it is. Yeah. So I understand the CDC changing. I, I, I just wish they were more transparent um, regarding why they were changing. Right. And, um, you know, I mean, you, you said it earlier, but that's where I can't help but just say like, this is just very much turned into a vaccinated versus unvaccinated to assume these nurses and these healthcare workers that are standing next to me in this protest are not vaccinated is an assumption because mm -hmm. there were plenty that are, there yeah. are plenty of nurses that are vaccinated that are against mandates because you can't, th this is a free will. This is a freedom, right? We have the ability to decline and to exempt this, but this is completely different than any other exemption. Me and you are both familiar with the influenza declination, right? Um, it's a different, the way they are wording it is different. The way that is being presented to us is different. This is not just a basic exemption. Like everyone says, I've, I've been told that, right. You do have a choice. You can get the vaccine, you can get exempted or you can get a new job. Right. <laughs> um, but the declinations are different. What they're asking us to sign their, their declination is asking us to acknowledge that as unvaccinated people, you know, hmm. that I am putting my family and my friends and my patients at a higher risk. I've been unvaccinated for a year and a half, hmm. taking care of those people, being around those people. Obviously, I'm capable of protecting myself to the best of my abilities, right? Um, and things still happen, and we're still, we're, we're you know, we're still seeing it. But it, to assume to assume that this is about 
the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated is that is not my point. Um, I believe in science. I love science. Mm -hmm. Um, like I said, if this is a true discovery, it's a, a major thing for science. Um, and I hope that they pursue this into the other, other viruses and other, um, disease processes that we're having and use this as a cancer patient would be great. Right. Yeah. Uh, as a cancer patient with no approved chemo, <laughs> yeah, mm. it would be great to see this applied and truly used throughout medicine. But we can't forget that this is a new science. Yeah. You know, and that's the reality. It is a new science. We don't know the long term implications of it. We don't know the long term risk factors of it. Um, people are getting sick. People are still getting sick with the vaccine. Um, you know, I feel like. You know, there's so there's just this hyper focus on, you know, oh, you're against the vaccines. Like you said, you're an anti-vaxxer. That, that's an assumption that people should never make. Um, and I am very science driven. It's the main you know, assumption. I'm very it's, science dri yeah. driven. Um, and my science is that this is new science. And because of that, we aren't educated about it. So until we are, you should have that right. You should have that right to know this is a new science. This is how it was made. These are the things that can do. These are the things that make it great and wonderful, right? Yeah. Um, and you should be able to make that choice for yourself because it is a new science and new science can still hurt people. <laughs> well, and so you know? that, that's, that's an amazing point. And, you know, the counter argument to that is people taking the emotional response, taking the emotional um, reply to, okay, if you're not vaccinated, then you just don't care about your loved ones. And that's right. My, con my confusion is, is anytime you're in a debate and you take the emotional response, you've already lost because if science oh, was if science was about by being unbiased and by taking the emotional response, you've just become biased and ruin your argument. So right. I'm kind of confused on why that you, like everybody's wanting to take that emotional response, you know, I don't, it makes sense. Well, you know, I mean, because we're an emotional being, we're emotional beings. And that is our immediate response. Um, and I think, you know, and that's where people need to be taking these avenues, right? Doing the podcast, yep. um, writing, talking, discussing. And like I said, I, I have absolutely no, no problem having an educated conversation with a human being, none whatsoever. Um, and I will listen to you and I will agree to disagree with you at the end of it. And we'll be friends and we'll walk away and that'll be it. Um, unfortunately, I just don't think that that is being what's promoted right now. You know, I think that, um, people want to get emotional about it because it's on the front lines of everything and it's being, you know, we're just being indoated by it in media and, you know, I, and I, and I get all of that, but, you know, I mean, my response, you know, would be to anyone who said, I, you know, I've, I've cared for your father. I've cared for your brothers and your sisters. I've cared for your neighbors to, to say that I'm not taking a shot because, and let me just also say, I have actually not actually said whether or not I am back. I'm not vaccinated, but <laughs> you know, that was been my thing. As I said to, you know, like I said, is to assume that I haven't, but feel, not, but feel not like publicly that posted, this would be my first publicly yeah. posting about it. Right. But just so because people, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but like, no. you're hesitant on saying that you're not vaccinated. Isn't that crazy? Just to think about like, you're hesitant because you know, the repercussions that are going to, that could possibly occur. You know, right. that's insane. That, and, 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 and I think that's where I'm at. Right. So if you're going to get a social or an emotional response from me, it is going to be more not related to the science because the science I hope is there. Right. I hope the science is there. Um, 
mine is just more how we treat each other as society, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's where um, my response to this has been, right? It's, I, I, I'm nothing but a nurse, you know, short of a mother and a wife. The third thing I am is a nurse. I mean, that's my, this isn't a career for me. This is truly who I am. And so to then come through and say that I don't care about my patients or my community that I serve um, because of this is just insane. It's just insane. And it's just promoting, it's just promoting such a battle between us and there shouldn't be a battle. This isn't about vaccinated or unvaccinated. That's not what this is. Um, you know, that contradicts itself in every post that you see, right? How? So, well, I mean, you know, the vaccinated are, can still get COVID, right? Mm-hmm. They just, you know, but, but they don't get a sick. They're not as symptoms, but, oh, but their viral, their viral load is higher. But we're also not talking about natural immunity. That's, that's like, you can totally right. have a uh, full and amazing response to COVID, have the natural immunity, but Yet again, nobody's putting that even to a category. Right. So, but what I'm saying is, so, you know, it's one of those things of like, okay, so if you get the vaccine, you can still get COVID. Mm-hmm. You just don't have as significant of symptoms, which in my mind, as a nurse and as somebody who is there on the front lines says, then you're actually more likely, right? Because that's what we've been saying for a year and a half. If you, if you feel sick, if you have a cough, if you have fever, stay home, stay away from people and do all these things. Now you're telling me that this vaccine decreases your symptoms. You may not even have symptoms of it, but could still be infectious. Oh, geez. Right. <laughs> yeah. You're still infectious. Your wow. viral load is actually higher than that of an unvaccinated because your body's response is so quick. Right. Huh. So because of the vaccine. So now you're, you're, you're promoting a vaccine to me and you're saying, oh, well, the good part about it is, is that you don't have as much symptoms, but you can still spread. Mm-hmm. So in but by nature, does that not make you actually a higher risk like a super to the spreader. society? Yeah. Right. So it's, but it's, oh, it's all about the unvaccinated, but it's not y'all. It, this isn't about that. This is about, this is just, this is a new science that we need to still perfect that we still need more information about that. We still need to know about what I'm not going to, I would never do this to my children because they have a whole lot longer than I do. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, hopefully on this earth, you know, and so the world I, I hope, I hope that inevitably that this, that, that, that we get all the information and we have all of our answers and we see that this is truly the great science that they claim it is. Um, but right now I just feel like there's so such a lack of transparency and yep. so, so much contradictions and just so much politics involved in it that it's just hard to a hundred percently trust right mm-hmm. now. I think I, and I, and I, I don't know it, but I think that I'm, I think I'm like most of people, you know, I think that it's more common for people to have these concerns than it's not. And it's just that people are afraid to say it. Right. Okay. And that's what I want to have you on. You're, you're, you're branded, you're branded that person who doesn't care. You're branded that person. You know, I, I got a post and I had somebody that said, you'll, you'll die for your patients, but you won't take a needle for them. Oh, and I you know, I'll, I'll sleep in a living room. I slept in, I slept, I slept in my dining room on a twin bed for the first six months of COVID because I was too afraid to sleep next to my husband or next to my children. You know, my, my daughter's 18th birthday party got canceled because I was too afraid. Right. My, my, both my children 
are now homeschooled because I have a career that I know that my profession puts them at a higher risk and I'm not willing to put them in a situation where they are going to put other children at risk. Mm -hmm. Right. And so both of my children have finished school. Maddie graduated, um, but from home um, and Emma has not been in school now for almost two years um, because I do think about my population and my community and I do think about your children and I, and I don't want to put anyone at any risk that isn't necessary. Um, and, and I understand that I'm maybe a rarity, right? I understand that people had an issue wearing masks and socially distancing and people had issues with all of this. And I understand that frustration, but to imply that I don't care is still inaccurate. A hundred percent. So I want to hear more about, um, everybody else that you're working with and the mm-hmm. people that the community that you've been in, cause the, the group that you invited me to has mm-hmm. thousands of people. I'm mm-hmm. like, Oh my gosh. Like there, there's a very robust response to yes. this mandatory vaccine for healthcare workers. Right. And a lot of people are pissed and they have a right mm-hmm. to be. So walk, mm-hmm. t- tell me a little bit about that whole culture. <laughs> So, you know, you know, healthcare workers, we tend to be very opinionated. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, I think the overall culture is just that, right? Is that um, it, it, it's, a, it's a day that I will never forget when I realize that the same rights, the same rights um, and choices that I have advocated for people to have for 17 years um, in my life are not even promised to me, Right. Um, and I think that's the overall census is, you know, I've been that nurse at bedside arguing with doctors over what's right for that patient. I've been the nurse who has maybe gone against what others would say to give patients and family the true transparent consent that they require. I've been that person. I've seen it happen. Um, I've, I've, I've prided myself on the fact yep. that I'm that nurse. I have, I have absolutely no problem pissing somebody off if it means doing the right thing for my patients. Um, and to know that I don't have that same right has been very earth moving, earth shattering for me. Um, and I think for a lot of nurses, about 200,000 in North Carolina right now um, are all in that phase of, you know, <laughs> Like I said, you know, we advocate and we tell our patients they have this right. They have this choice. We can't do anything to you. You walk into an emergency room. If you are conscious alert and of age to consent, I cannot do anything to you without your permission. Mm -hmm. Um, And with that, there are consequences, right? The the same as what I'm facing. Um, But, you know, I had somebody argue with me and they said, you know, well, this is what's right. And so that's why you should do it. And I said, when I Narcan a patient that had overdosed off a of heroin and they wake up and they say they're leaving and I know it's what they're doing. I know what they're doing. I know they're going back out. I can't stop them. I can't stop them and say, this is wrong and it's going to kill you and you can't leave. You can't leave. I can't stop them. They have that right. They have that right because they're an adult, right? If I have the diabetic whose blood sugar is 600 eating a donut I can't smack the donut out of their hand. I can't tell, you know, the cardiac patient that's eating a bag of Lay's potato chips to not do that. I, right. Because people have the rights. I can educate them, which I do, mm-hmm. you know, and I can hope that what I say matters, but 
I, I still, I still am bound to protecting my patients' rights and their mm. ability to make a decision. So to go to us now after everything, right. After really, you know, the, the first wave, whatever, the biggest part of this, um, and to have not had that choice prior to, and now to be told you don't have that choice. And if you don't comply for this narrative, if you don't comply with this mandate, you will not be able to practice nursing hmm. is it's fine. I never or go out in public or anything. I mean, in New York, go to a gas station. Australia and South now. Africa are crazy right now. I mean, it's it's full on totalitarianism, man. It's I mean, and, and that's the whole thing, right? Is that's what nobody, you know, that that that's the problem. Is the the problem is is if this decision is gone now, what's next? Who's yeah. going to be next? Because I'll tell you right now, it'll be police and it will be fire, and it will be our EMS crews. And now we've taken out our nine one one services by people who don't want it, right? We're, we're weakening the strongest part of our society right now. Well, that's a very interesting this. observation because if there, if the pandemic was as severe and as insane as everybody in the media is, is saying, which I don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to downplay anything. Um, if it was that bad and we're seeing still a 99.9 recovery rate, just saying. okay. Okay. Yeah, that's I, been proven. Yes. Okay. Thank you for saying mm -hmm. that. Um, if it is that insane, then wouldn't we need the most healthcare workers working instead of firing them? Right. So that's been the big thing, right? I'm sure you've seen it on our page, but and that's a big thing. If the pandemic's so bad and our hospitals are so indoated, how are these corporations prepared and ready to terminate thousands of nurses? Yep. Yep. You know, I mean, and, and that's just it, you know, I mean, it, it, none of it makes sense. And I think that's where I struggle, right? I, I, I am a science mind. I am very much a very analytical, I am a critical thinker. And if it makes sense, it's fine. I get it. I understand it. Right. And this just doesn't all make sense. And no. that's where I think so many of us struggle, right? Yeah. Just doesn't make sense. One of the best signs I saw was weird that such a good shot has to be forced. Mm -hmm. Right. Because that was the point. If they would come out and they would provide these amazing statistics and the science behind it to where people can understand, right. If they did all of that, wouldn't people be more receptive to it? I mean, I would think so. I would think mm -hmm. that at least of the educated groups, you know, um, for nurses, you know, I think if you were able to truly show statistical information and really teach us, right. I mean, like I said, I'm not an anti-vaxxer vaccines have been saving lives for hundreds and hundreds of years. You know, so, I mean, I'm not, but why, why aren't we getting that explanation and why is this so different? Why is this so different from others in the past? Mm -hmm. You know? Um, and I just think that, I think that that's the biggest problem that people have right now is that there's just, there doesn't seem to be a lot of explanation. There's just a, a say so, you know, yeah. and we, when we, when we discipline our children to spank them on their butt and walk away, does nothing. We have to actually explain to them right? The discipline, right? Because then they don't learn. So why isn't there just more of an explanation? Why, why aren't there more options? Like you said, why aren't there more options? Why aren't we looking more into antibodies? Um, why aren't we looking more into natural response? Herd immunity. Uh, yeah. I struggled with herd immunity from the very beginning. Um, and only because it's virus and by you mean, you know, yeah. viruses are the trickiest 
Oh, we're cutting out again. We know that to achieve herd immunity within this virus, at least what they have told us, is in the 70, 70th percentile, uh, between right. 70 and 80 percent. And when you look mm -hmm. at the numbers, we have how 330 million people, I think, in America or something like that. I thought they said that we had like 72 percent recently. Uh, for herd immunity? I, I thought that that was the number of vaccinated. Okay, so if we have 72% of the people vaccinated, not even including natural immunity, then we're, we've then achieved we're herd immunity. we're already out of herd immunity yeah. status, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm just kind of like, it, it, it's confusing. You're right. It's contradictory. Um, mm -hmm. It makes zero sense. And the fact that we can ask these questions is what's ama amazing and we need to do mm -hmm. more of. So if this is so dangerous, if being forced to take this vaccine is so dangerous, what do you see happening in the future? If this continue, if this train keeps going, everyone will be mandated. I mean, if you know, I mean, there's a there's a reason that nurses are considered one of the top respected and trusted careers in this country and have been for years and years and years. If you can get if, if you can get your top trusted profession to say it's OK and to take it, then, you, you know, you've won a lot of people just by that. Um and my fear, and that's obviously my fear, right, is that it's a liberty, everyone on this earth, you know, it's a God-given, God-given God right to have free agency. Um, this country was founded off of the ability to make that choice and to have a freedom um, and not to have the oppression, right? Um, and so at this point, you know, I just can't, that, that, that's my fear, right? My, my fear is that if I take the vaccine, will my 19-year-old be the next one to be vaccinated, to be mandated? Will my eight-year-old be the one after that, right? I mean, we're already getting to a point where people can't even, you know, like you said, you know, can't, you can't even go into grocery stores in some places now without this vaccine passport. Like, you know, that, that shouldn't be acceptable to anyone. You know, I mean, segregation is still a real thing. Um, and unfortunately, the, the talk of vaccine versus unvaccinated is what's going to promote that more in our country. And that shouldn't be acceptable to us as citizens and as humans, right? I, I love everyone indefinitely. Um, I respect everyone's rights to do what they want to do and to make that choice. Um, and the fact that we seemingly are okay with um, shaming and making people feel bad or isolating people, mm. um, purely based off of a medical decision, because to imply that if I don't take the vaccine, that I will not social distance is wrong to imply that I would still not be careful or masked if necessary is, is wrong. Right. Um, I read a study today where they were saying, oh, well, the percentage of unvaccinated are the ones who have an issue with masks too. I'm like, well, hmm. Although it, interesting, I see the, correlation, but, you know, I mean, I, but, I still think we're also getting into that place where we talk, you know, I talk about like kind of a, um, an unquantified statistic, right? Like there are that, that we've taken research classes and we've taken, you know, we've done this and there, there are such thing as unquantifiable statistics. Mm -hmm. And so to say that, to, to say that you interviewed 1500 people and out of them, you know, it was 70, I think it was like 70 something percent of the unvaccinated said that they have a problem wearing masks and socially distancing, whereas only 34% of the vaccinated did. And, you know, that's, that's a pretty broad, that's a pretty broad study. It's also um, state and specific and area specific. 
Yes, very, very much so. Um, and, you know, I, so I think, but I think that these, these studies that are being done so easily and so, so quickly um, are being thrown out to the public because they know exactly the response they'll get. Yeah. Which is, you know, I don't care. Yeah. That I don't care and I'm not going to protect my community. And that's not true. Um, and I think if you were to sit down with a majority of people who have an issue with this, that you will find that to be the case. And we're seeing mass um, censorship across the board, whether it be oh, absolutely. Uh, research or what. So I, I posted a, a TikTok video uh, about three weeks back, three, four weeks back. And it was just talking about ivermectin, like how there's a, there's a lot of research backing ivermectin and the, oh, yeah. the uh, response to countries using yeah. ivermectin across on a, on a wide scale is amazing. I mean, mm -hmm. mass, mass declines in cases, oh. uh, both prophylactic, mm -hmm. pro, prof, prophylactic, prophylactically. Yeah. <laughs> I got to drink, mm -hmm. I need to get a drink of water, but I got um, you prophylactically. And then during a, the acute response and as well as long COVID. So it's having mm -hmm. amazing effects across the mm -hmm. board. So I posted about it and then it, mm -hmm. it went viral. It, it got, um, well, I say viral, it's like 11, 12,000 views. And I had a lot of doctors coming You're on You're famous this. to me. It's okay. Not even. Mm -hmm. uh, I just, that was the one time I got viral. I was like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> finally yeah! something, something that makes sense. <laughs> but what's cool is that a lot of doctors came on there and said, yeah, we were trying to study um, ivermectin and we were not allowed to. Uh, we got our, our licenses threatened. We got investigations into our practice. And so it's like just trying to at find other routes is being censored. You know, there's right. a, there's a uh, very interesting study that was published in on a large, like the sample size was in, I think 40 or 50,000. Uh, he's a Polish uh, or mm -hmm. Austrian doctor researcher. And he's actually hopefully going to come on the show in the next few days talking about awesome. why his study got peer reviewed through all the process and then redacted because the conclusion was against the narrative. It was mm -hmm. very, so I, I emailed him just like, Hey, like you want to have a conversation with me? And he goes, actually, yeah. And awesome. what's, what's insane is that it, it got through all the rounds of the peer review process. Right. Um, a lot mm -hmm. of researchers were saying, yeah, what you're, you're onto something basically got published and then mm -hmm. somebody made a stink and said it needs to be redacted. Mm -hmm. So it got redacted. He tried to right. find it and, it's still not out. He's still trying to get it published on a different journal, but it just, just goes to show like he had some good evidence for uh, a counter narrative right. to today's vaccine debate. And it was right. very I mean, And then I think that that's what it's about, right? Is it's, you know, like I said, I mean, I, and I said that, you know, I, I wish, I wish that just, just 20%, just 20% of the money and the funding and the research um, that went into creating this vaccine went into treating the virus, right? Yeah. Because we're still sitting here going, what do we do? What do we do? Do we give them steroids? Do we, we, you know, I mean, we're just to a point now where we, you know, it's, we treat you for COPD, CHF, pneumonia, you know, we, we do everything. We throw everything but the kitchen sink at you um, and, and still are losing. Like how, how are we so hyper-focused on this vaccine yet? We have not even focused on actually helping the people who are infected, the people yeah. who are actually struggling in the hospitals right now, we still don't know hundred percent how to treat them, how to get them through this. I mean, should that not, should that not be Take a priority precedence. for us yeah. at this point? Absolutely. Should that not be important, you know, as, as a nurse and as somebody at your bedside, that's very important to me. I, I, you know, like I said, I, I wish I had more tools and I knew what to do, 
you know, why, why, why are the other alternative treatments being so shushed, right? Why aren't we talking right? about, you know, vitamin D and vitamin D oh and gosh. zinc are zinc? good for you every day, yeah. every day, yep. but you're not hearing that. You're not yep. hearing that. It's, there's a shush, there's a shush happening. And, and, and that's what makes everything so suspicious, right? Do you think it's, that this could be a parasite? Because with ivermectin being an anti-parasitic, we're seeing, <sighs> we're seeing this in, so it, so for instance, like Haiti, um, a lot of countries that are third world populations that have mass parasite issues, you give ivermectin, you give it on a regular basis. It's mm -hmm. in the population already. And we know that ivermectin works prophylactically. So right. we're, we're not seeing COVID pop off in these crazy third world countries like we have seen in the first world countries. With, with, only, with the same countries that don't have vaccine access either, right? So it's not like yeah. these people are like, it, it's not like we can say this is going on and it's because they're all vaccinated because they don't even have access to the vaccine, most yep. of these countries. Um, you know, I, I think it would be interesting. I, and I've tried to do a lot of lo looking, you know, I mean, I think that the key with a par parasite is the right, the outer, the outer shell is, is, um, so much stronger than what you would see in just a normal, um, viral or bacterial, um, infection. And so the, there's that question as to, you know, I, I will say that, you know, I have a lot of family back home in Texas that are, were, have been on the whole ivermectin kick for a while now. And I really struggled at first. Right. Mm -hmm. Because Same. I'm a science. I'm yeah. science. Right. So I pull it up and I'm like, this is for cows and dogs. This yep. is, you know, yep. like, this is ridiculous. This is what are we doing to it? What are we doing saying this is okay? Yeah. You know, but then there's that question as, like you said, is just why isn't getting the attention it does? Why are we not investing more into the, the, the research behind this? And if not for anything, we're shushing it, yep. we're shushing it. In fact, um, the India Ministry Minister of Health went against the World Health Organization and said, uh, "No, you you're saying not to use ivermectin. We're using it currently because that's the only thing that's been working." And they're handing out right. like candy, and they've seen mm -hmm. mass drop offs since they started using ivermectin. Again, same with mm -hmm. Mexico. Was so that India? You said India and Mexico. Yeah, hmm. New, New Delhi. India, where the Delta variant started, huh? I don't know, man. It's, there's some there's some very interesting research backing ivermectin on public health mass scale. Oh, I mean, I I agree, and I need to do more research on it. So I'll be the first to admit that. But what I what I can say is that at this at this point, right, we're at a point now, a, a year and eight months yeah. of of this being a global pandemic, right? Um, but we're at this point. We're at this point of mandating a vaccine. We're at this yeah. point of forcing people to take on a medical treatment without full consent. Right. And without full disclosure. Mm -hmm. Right. But we're not to a point of doing research on these other things. Mm -hmm. and, and that's where it's suspicious. Right. Because that's when it's a narrative. That's when there's an agenda. Yep. Um, and I don't think any one of us want to be a part of a narrative or be a part of an agenda. Yep. And definitely not with my health. My, yep. my health and my children's health is not a, an agenda for anyone to do. You know, you should be. And, I, and I think that's right really now. the basis of everyone's. Like you're, you're the, you know, you're the picture perfect example of immunocompromised person on chemo mm -hmm. has cancer. Mm -hmm. You should be mm -hmm. dead. I mean, right. But you, it doesn't make right. sense. What's your blood type, by the way? A long time ago. You know, that's not even talking about all the bad choices yeah. I've made, you know? <laughs> Wait, hey, what, what's your blood type? Is that bad? You don't know? You don't know? I don't, I don't know. I just I don't know. know. Me and my best friend were actually talking about that today. And you know, her doctor's office won't do her blood type in Texas. They told her it was in a really expensive test and it took a long time. I said, it's like a $10 test and it takes five seconds with a finger prick, but they won't do her blood type. So she found another place um, that she's going to go um, and get it. I don't actually know my blood type. 
I wonder That's if it's horrible. because it's one of your. I wonder if the reason why you're doing far better than anybody else regarding immunocompromisation mm -hmm. is because of blood the blood type correlation with severity in COVID. Because mm -hmm. I had terrible COVID and my wife did not. I think she's. Mm -hmm. uh, I think she's O blood type. I forgot it's O positive mm -hmm. or O negative. I forget which one. Um, but I think the O blood types are the ones that were having far less responses to COVID. Right. I mean, and what that means that like my mom, my mom got COVID um, at the very beginning. And, you know, she said, you know, she felt kind of crappy um, and everything tasted bad. That was yeah. like her biggest complaint to me. Um, and it wasn't until probably like into the second week that she said that she had been going on walks just around the neighborhood to get out of the house, you know. And it was like that last week she said that she made it about halfway down her street and she realized like, mm mm. Mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, and so she had a little bit of like that shortness of breath, but she really, she recovered pretty well. She doesn't have any other symptoms. Um, my nephew, my baby nephew was actually only seven months old and that's, he's actually the one who tested positive and that's why the whole family ended up getting tested and they found out, um, and he had no symptoms. He was seven months old and he had no symptoms. Hmm. Um, and he was just going in for like a pre-op, a pre-op swab that came back positive. So, you know, I mean, you know, and I think that's the thing to remember, right? Is like, that's been like the big selling point to me for everybody. Oh, symptoms, it's a symptom control, COVID vaccine, COVID vaccine, you know, it decreases your symptoms and your severity. That, that is by definition, an unquantifiable statistic, right? Mm -hmm. Because you got horribly sick from it and your wife in the same home practicing significantly the same health practices didn't. This is indiscriminate, right? You can't compare... I had a provider recently who was, is very, um, pro vaccine as well. Um, and he got the COVID vaccine and he got COVID just a few weeks ago. And he was sitting in the back of the, in the doctor's area. He's a nurse practitioner. And he said, well, I'm just glad I got the vaccine because it would have been so much worse. Had I, had I not. Hmm. Interesting. How do you know that? Yeah. Did you get it before? Hmm. Did you get COVID before and have no, he never had. That's an unquantifiable thing. I can't compare a 30 year old healthy man that runs five miles for marathons to a 300 pound obese, non-compliant hypertensive diabetic patient. Right. So that's what I'm saying. Like what, how are we truly, how are we truly yeah. measuring these statistics? Yeah. Because sure. it's, it, it seems like it would be a very difficult job to do. Well, even you the, know, the how they're counting vaccine versus unvaccinated, they stopped counting uh, cases and and mild to severe symptoms in vaccinated people. Mm -hmm. So immediately mm -hmm. that that you can't say that we're it's rarely even testing vaccinated people. Really, very rarely. In fact, I mean, you can come in with the pneumonia, the everything. If you're vaccinated, it's kind of a fifty fifty right now in 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 healthcare wow. as to whether or not we're even vaccinated. We're not even testing vaccinated people like we do unvaccinated people. So of course those numbers are going to be there. Wow. You know, that's insane. So, that's you know, it, I mean, and I've, I've questioned, I've questioned, how do we know Delta variant, right? That's a genotype. Yeah. That's genotype mapping. That's, that's intense testing. Mm -hmm. um, and so I've even questioned my own facilities and, um, you know, people that I know within healthcare and said, how do we know, how do we know these people have Delta variant? Are we testing them for Delta variant? And I've gotten about a 50, 50. I've gotten. Yes, they're sending off all of the positives to like state ran facilities and these state ran facilities are then doing the genome mapping and they're determining if they're Delta or not, but they're not even notifying the patients. The patients too. don't know. 
but then I go, but then how are we getting these numbers? Right. And these are all of the questions that people ask. And the fact that there, there's not an actual answer is what makes everything so hard to accept as a science, This is right? Because because science has answers. This is not because of us arguing against the efficacy of the vaccine. Not at all. This is arguing about this, uh, this mandate first off, and then all these mm-hmm. weird questions that nobody's wanting to answer. And, and some of the sketch like double standardness that, um, is occurring that again, it, it, it makes zero sense and you're getting mm-hmm. ostracized for questioning. Like now you can't even question. Right. What? Yeah. I mean, and I think that's the thing is that people need to remember, I mean, you know, poli- pol- polio became an issue at the beginning of the 1900s, 1904, 1902, don't quote me, but it's early 1900s. Right. I mean, they didn't even start trials until the 30s, 1935, I believe, you know, they didn't even start. So 35 years of people dying, children being paralyzed by something before we even started looking for a vaccine. Now, obviously, science and medicine is much greater and much better than in the 1900s. Thank God. But I mean, it wasn't until the 90s that they actually considered it eradicated. So you're talking almost 100 years from the start of this disease process that primarily affected our children, which you would hope has a little bit more of a push. Right. Um, and it took almost a hundred years before we were able to even really eradicate this. And you're talking, you know, so you're talking thousands, hundreds of thousands of people dying. Um, you know, and, and so, you know, that, that, that begs the whole question is have we just become that society that wants that pill, right? Mm, Just that one fix. We already have. Um, and are we, are we accepting that? Yeah. I mean, we've been there and we've seen that in emergency medicine, Caleb. I mean, we both have, right. It's, you know, instead of changing your diet and exercising, what I need a pill to fit my sugar, my sugars, <laughs> yep. you know? Yep. So, you know, I mean, we see it and that, and that's where, that's what scares me. Right. Have we become a society that just wants that fix that we don't actually look at the actual situation? Mm. It, are, are, are we, are we just accepting something because we're being told that, that we need to accept it and we're not looking at it. And, you know, why, why, like you said, why aren't we looking at these treatment options? Why aren't we looking at all of these other things um, that are available to us? Why aren't we looking more into antibody? Um, why aren't we looking more into the natural immunity of things? Um, you know, like you said, I'm the picture perfect person who should be sick all the time. And I'll tell you right now, the 100% I believe 100% the reason why I'm not sick, by the way, I had strep throat for the first time in my entire life at 36 years old. Hmm. Wow. Strep throat, like everyone yeah. has strep throat, right? Yeah. And it's my profession, right? It, it, it's my exposure. It's my exposure and me allowing my body to have a natural reaction um, and a natural immunity. And I think that, unfortunately, this is where we see all these crazy things. And you know that in virology, right? This is where we see all these crazy things happen is because we're such a society that wants that one fix, right? Mm. If your kid has a stuffy nose, you ain't antibiotics. Girl, you know, you're about to go down a hole. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, but we've become a country that we just, we just, we, we want that fix. We want that oh, fix absolutely. so quickly that we don't think about the longevity of these problems. Um, and unfortunately now you're in a situation you're where you're wanting to mandate your entire population mm. to accept this one fix. Yeah. Um, and Have you seen I don't know what the long-term effects of that are. And it scares me for my children. It scares me for my daughters. Um, that we, we have become so hyper-focused on this fix that we're not asking the questions we need to be asking. Have you seen the relationship between COVID the, okay, this is first off, let me back up. This is uh, there's only a couple, two or three studies on this. So again, uh, 
can't really go oh, off. Are you going to throw something much. at me? I don't even know about, buddy. Oh, then that's good. Let's talk about it because there is a very so interesting me. relationship between um, the COVID spike protein and prions. Did you know about that? No. Yeah. Or do you say, do you say prions or prions? I say prions. Okay. I say prions. Um, as we know, prions is mad cow disease, uh, Kritzfield Jacob. I don't, there's a whole weird way of saying that, but mm-hmm. I'm terrible at saying that name. Um, there is a very interesting relationship between virulence in or virulence in the, on the COVID spike protein and prions. In fact, prions are my assumption on these studies was that it, it does cause long COVID. And that's my, um, theory behind its relationship. We do, we have, they have found prions in the recepting binding domains of the spike protein and the human cell. Yeah. Look it up. It's pretty intense. And this is by the human microbiome Institute in New York. That, that kind of, that kind of links up to that whole parasitic aspect of it. Parasitic and long COVID. Mm -hmm. Because we know that prions, the abnormal folding of prions is what causes um, prions disease and mad cow disease. And we do mm-hmm. know that it has the ability to mutate because it did mutate about five or six years ago into the deer population. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, I know this is getting kind of funny out there, but um, if that is a thing. Did you hear that they've tested in 80% of wild deers in um, like certain states? I can't remember which one it is. White tails are positive for COVID. Ooh. Well, it started with I an animal. Was, so. I, I, did it start with an animal? I don't know. Oh, it, it, it's a, it did. It for sure did. We started with an animal, and then they put it in a lab, and then they said, "Hey, let's let's experiment." And then here we are. <laughs> well, here's the thing: that everything is naturally occurring. That's the reality, yeah. right? It's all naturally occurring. It's what we harness. It's what we harness, and why we why and why we harness those things. You know, um, you know, that's Christopher and me were talking, and I said, you know, it's so funny. Like my dream job, right? CDC. That was always my dream job. You know, um, I said, poof to be a fly on the wall in that place yeah. right now. And they've, they've lost credibility, man. In fact, my final report from my undergrad in public health last week, I just finished my degree this weekend, this past weekend, and my final report. Thank you. My final report was about how the, how the CDC has lost all credence. They've lost, um, which a sucks. Lot of authority, which it does suck. Um, it sucks, man, because they're, I mean, really all in all, like the things that they're able to do and the research that they've done has been pretty freaking awesome yeah, for us I as agree. a society. You know, and it, it, it's heartbreaking to me, but really what, what we've seen is that the CDC has now become an arm of the political party, whatever political party mm-hmm. is in, in, uh, in the office at the time. Mm-hmm. And so it's, they've lost credence. They lost, they lost authority. And finally, because of, of honestly, social media, things like TikTok and Instagram and Facebook, mm-hmm. um, because of those spreaders, those information spreaders, if you want to call them disinformation spreaders, that's up to you. I don't really care. Um, information is information. It's just whether or not it's true or false. Yeah, it's still information. Yeah. And there's a very interesting MIT study on on the information that has been used by one narrative can be used in the exact same narrative for the disinformation campaign on Facebook, which is actually giving oh, credit to these people who are throwing information out there that some say is not accurate, but MIT says actually you have a point. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. Anyways, all that to say, CDC we've lost authority, man, and, and it's sad. Mm-hmm. Um, it is sad. It is sad. And, you know, I, I don't know. I don't, I, you know, I mean, and that's where we get back to that whole thing, right. Is, you know, how much should our politics and our politicians have to do with our medical and our healthcare? Um, you know, and I think CDC has a lot of arms and a lot of arms that we probably weren't aware of. Right. Um, they do a lot of things that we're, I'm sure very unaware of. Oh, for sure. Um, but 
you know, I mean, I think in general, they were still good for our country. Um, and I think that their goal um, has always been to help inform and protect our country. Um, and, and I don't, I don't, you know, it, it, it's sad. And then, so then you're in that situation, but who's doing it then, you know, if it's not, somebody's got to do it right. Somebody's got to be able to educate the masses and somebody's got to be able to put out that information. You know, I mean, I, I can't even tell you, I mean, I mean, I got the CDC journal, you know, especially when I was there at JPS and I was doing um, all of the outreach stuff for HIV. They were one of my main resources for people. Um, and, and so to think that that resource is now invalid is super sad to me because there are a lot of people out there who do um, really benefit from what the CDC is able to do. Um, but unfortunately, I think, yeah, I think the problem is, is that there's just been so many, so many things have come from this, you know, I mean, to, to, to say this is just merely a virus is crazy. Mm. Um, and so many things have come and been affected by this. Um, and I, I don't know what the answer is, you know, I really, I really, I, re- I really wish I did. I think, you know, in general, I'd like to say it's just to be a good person, mm. <laughs> you know, and, and to do your research and to ask your questions, um, and not be censored, you know, I mean, try, try your hardest to not be censored, you know, our, our Facebook page has been shut down two or three times since yeah. we started it with people getting kicked. Um, I saw that. I got kicked out. I mean, I was part one of the admins and I got kicked out six times in like a day. Did you start it? Yeah. Um, no, it, I, I, I was one of the forefronters, but I was not the start of that. Yeah. Um, it's growing that like crazy. page. Um, and it was initially started for just our systems here. Right. So, I mean, the biggest difference, and I guess that would be what I would say when it comes to us here in this, in our fight right now, currently is that, you know, yeah, you know, in the state of Texas right now, you have a few hospitals, right? So, you know, you have your Baylor Scott and Whites, you have your Memorial Herman, right? And you have, you know, you have your hospitals there that are, are, are mandating, but it's not an overall census, right? And you're seeing that throughout the country. Then, you know, I think what people need to know and what's important for us and what one of our biggest things have been in the state of North Carolina, every single health system is mandating. There is not one hospital really? in the state of North Carolina that I will be able to be employed at wow. unless I take a vaccine, take, take this vaccine, you know, take this COVID shot. And so you're, you're altering complete ecosystems, yeah. you know, I mean, and so it's just crazy to think, you know, I mean, I could go an hour and a half South into a different state and be able to be employed, but not here. Wow. Um, and so you're, you're really, you're really putting people in a, in a corner. And I think that's a problem, right? Is that when you put people in a corner and you edge them out to where they have no choices, then, you know, the natural reaction is to um, shriek and to go along with whatever it is, or it is to fight. And I think we've well established what I'll do <laughs> in yeah. general, not yeah. just over the COVID vaccine and life in general. Yeah. Right. I, I have no problem, you know, fighting. And so, you know, I remember my mom, my mom came and visited me from Texas and I, she got, came her two days after the mandate had been issued. And so I told her about it. And my mom said, Katie, just shut your mouth, hmm. shut your mouth. Don't, do Don't argue like you always do, Don't do you know? And after about five days of it, now, if you look at my mom's Facebook, she's a huge supporter of me hmm. um, and what I'm trying to stand for. And I think it's because if you really sit down and you talk to these people and you talk to people like me, it's not about the vaccine. It's not about, I'm not afraid of COVID. Yeah. I'm not afraid of it something's going to take me out. 
right? We've had this conversation. I mean, you've already talked about it. <laughs> I hope it's not COVID. I hope it's not COVID. Just like, I hope it's not my cancer. Just like, I hope it's not a drunk driver, right? I hope it's not COVID. I'm not afraid of COVID. I've proven that. I've looked at face to face for a year and a half now. I, I'm not afraid of COVID, but what I'm afraid of is not having the choice to make medical decisions for myself and for my family. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I think if you really talk to somebody, I, I, I'm all about the science. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, people need to ask more questions and we need to be pushing more away from this narrative and, uh, and into actual care, you know? Mm. Um, and there's just such, and, and that's where it's suspicious, right? Is yeah. it's what's next. It's what's next. If we agree to this, then who's next? What's next? Um, okay. So as we kind of wrap up, um, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions and I want to see what your, what your okay. response is. Um, if you were at the top of the food chain in all of healthcare right now, and mm -hmm. you have the complete sway to make sweeping changes in this response, um, mm -hmm. both with the vaccine, with treatment, um, mm -hmm. what would you do? I would invest a whole lot money, more money into the research of treatment, treatment and prevention um, and education. I would not be censoring doctors um, and research going on that could potentially help the treatment of this. I would be very transparent over how these vaccines were actually manufactured and created, what's in them, um, and be honest about the fact that we don't know the long-term of all of these things and to make sure, right, there's informed consent and you, you, you can't consider this informed consent right now because we don't know. Um, mm. And I think that that's one of our problems, right, is that um, especially in an emergency use situation where we're looking at right now, the information is the key that you have right now and it's just not there. Um, don't go to Google and type in something and try to figure it out because you're, you're going to get whatever the internet wants you to get. Um, and so, I, and, and I would promote people to be smart and to ed, be an advocate for themselves and for their family mm. um, and to protect themselves at all costs. Um, and if that includes the vaccine in your family, then get the vaccine. And if it includes social distancing, social distance, and if it includes, right, but your responsibility for your health is yours. Just as the, just as mine is mine. Um, and I think that we have to teach that autonomy to our patients. Um, and that's been lost in this situation. We want to make the decisions for people instead of allowing people to make those choices and learn themselves. Um, but I think my biggest focus would be what we've talked about, which is really trying to develop more into what this is and how to treat it and those options that we have, because right now we're being told we don't have options. We're being told that our options is just this, right? Um, and I don't believe that. I don't believe that that is our only option. And I think that other places have been able to prove that. Um, yeah. And so I, I would push more for investigation into the treatment of our patients. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, last question. <sighs> what is the final message you want to leave to maybe anybody who's listening? Um, but maybe even specifically healthcare workers like nurses, like yourself, what's the final message? I mean, I just want people to know, like I said, I kind of talked about it. This isn't, this isn't politics. 
even though it is. This isn't you against me or vaccinated against unvaccinated. We are all American citizens. We are all human beings. Um, I have friends in all of you. Um, and I think my biggest message would be just, you know, if we're okay with our rights being taken away now, my, my fear is what rights will continue, who's, whose rights will continue. Um, and, and I have that right. I have that right for medical treatment and it not affect how I'm able to provide for my family or provide for that. Um, and I'm a good nurse. There are, there, there are a lot of people who would want me at bedside if it was their mother and their father and I've protected percent. myself and I've protected my community and I've protected my family while doing this. Um, and I've been very smart because I've been afraid of that. I've been afraid yeah. of exposing my family to that. I've been afraid, right? That hasn't stopped for me. Um, so why has it stopped? Hmm. Why is that not enough? Um, if this was such, if this was such an important thing that needed to be addressed immediately. Why was it not immediately addressed when in January, when we started vaccinating, right? Um, why are they giving me 90 days to think about it now while I continue to work and be at bedside and to be in that risk? I just want people to know that asking questions and pushing against a narrative doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you, um, any less than anyone else around you. I just want answers. And I think that a lot of people just want answers and we want to really truly feel informed. Um, and I don't know that those answers are even available to us. And once those answers are available to us, right, there are mandates on vaccines. I'm mandated vaccines as a nurse, but I'm, I'm informed on those mm -hmm. vaccines. Yeah. Um, I'm informed on those vaccines before they're injected into my children as well. Um, and there's just not the information there right now. And it should be your choice, right? I mean, you have a choice to take hypertensive medications. You have a choice to use illegal drugs. You have a choice, you know, to have an abortion in this country, right? We have choices that I don't necessarily agree with personally, personally, those aren't my choices, but as a nurse and as a healthcare provider, I will fight for that right for you to have that choice. And that's significantly all we want is the ability to make that choice without our entire life being altered. Mm. Um, and I don't know if that's what everyone else wanted me to say, but well, I'm not I looking think for me. For, that's what it is. I'm not looking for what anybody else wants you to say. I'm looking for <laughs> what you are going to say. And I think you put it well, you know, it's a very good perspective. You, you have a very uh, long history and you are an outlier in all of this. And so I'm used to it. <laughs> yeah, you're an outlier at JPS too. So I'm an, I'm an, I'm an outlier in the ER too. Don't worry. <laughs> all right, Katie. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show and awesome. Hey, send me that article on the crayons. Yeah. All right, there's two. I'll send. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye.